Daily Wire cultural correspondent Michael Knowles wrote an excellent article this week called An Actual Conservative's Guide to the Alt-Right, Eight Things You Need to Know. I'm sure some of you saw it and said to yourself, I would like to read that article. If it didn't involve laboriously running my eyes back and forth over the page, identifying letters and stringing them together to make words, which I would then have to go through all the trouble of understanding. Fortunately, it's for lazy, ignorant, unmotivated people like yourselves that we have The Andrew Clavin Show. So today we're going to summarize Noel's article exactly as if we had read it ourselves, instead of getting distracted by a marathon rerun of the first season of Big Brother. What are the eight things you need to know about the alt-right? the motley collection of low-life racists and Nazi slave minds who fooled themselves into thinking that being ironical about the fact that they're evil somehow saves them from being the moral scum they obviously are. Okay, what are the other seven things you need to know? Number two, racism is the movement's central premise. White identity is a favorite theme of alt-writers because it allows them to feel superior to other people without having to take the trouble to actually accomplish anything. Sure, a black person might hit a home run or create a work of art, but alt-writers have pink-colored skin, so they're special because something, something, something. Number three, the alt-right is anti-Semitic. The alt-right likes to isolate and make fun of Jewish people by putting parentheses around their names. So you may say, well, Albert Einstein explained space-time, and Jonas Salk cured polio, and men like Louis B. Mayer invented the American movie business, but the alt-right would answer, yes, but we put parentheses around their names. So that's a big accomplishment, too. Number four, the alt-right is tech-savvy with roots in Silicon Valley. That's good news because it means they're actually unlikely to engage in any activity that might cause them to reproduce. Number five, the alt-right loves The Matrix because it's a film produced by Jews starring a black man and written and directed by two sexually submissive men who ultimately decided they were actually women. So I guess the alt-right just likes that sort of thing. Number six, the alt-right loves Christendom but rejects Christianity. You see, the European races began as a group of thuggish rapists and murderers but were slowly civilized by their worship of a globalist Jewish man. The alt-right wants to keep the European races but lose the Jewish man. What could go wrong? Number seven, the alt-right practices a satirical religion called Keck in which they worship a cartoon frog because they're white people and therefore superior to people who don't worship cartoon frogs. And eight, the alt-right wants to burn American politics to the ground. To help them, the Daily Wire has built a large cardboard house labeled American politics and invited the alt-right to step inside and burn it to the ground. This is going to be fun. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky doo Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing! Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! Hooray, hurrah. All right, we're back. And the Clavelandist weekend seems to have begun early with a massive train wreck in Hoboken, New Jersey. Over 100 people injured, which is uh, double trouble because you're not only hurt, you're in Hoboken, New Jersey. 
but I, <laughs> it can only get worse, but you can stave it off by getting your copy of The Great Good Thing, my memoir, The Great Good Thing, A Secular Jew Comes to Faith in Christ. You can get it for free, I think. You still can get it for free if you uh, just subscribe to The Daily Wire. I'll be on Ben's show later on. We'll be talking about it. I think we're just going to dress up in sumo diapers and just bang into each other, hoping. But anyway, uh, if, you, if you do subscribe, you can watch this entire show run, streaming live right this minute on The Daily Wire website. If not, you get it for 15 minutes on Facebook and YouTube, and then a gigantic curtain falls over your eyes, and not only can you not see this, you can't see anything for hours on end, but you can come to the Daily Wire site and listen to it or download it later on iTunes or SoundCloud. All right, so this was the week of the first debate, and now, as was foretold to you on the show, the polls are starting to come in to show that people feel that Trump lost, and he's starting to lose a little ground in the polls. Here's from 538. This is the Nate Silver site that does a, a pretty good job of kind of parsing the polls, you know, thinking about what they mean and what we should watch out about. He says, every scientific poll we've encountered so far suggests that voters thought Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump in Monday night's debate. In fact, some of them showed her winning by a wide margin, wide enough to make it a good bet, though not a guarantee that she'll gain in horse race polls against Trump over the next week or so. So far, we've seen just two polls released that tested Clinton's standing against Trump after the debate. They have pretty good news for Clinton, but I'd recommend some caution until we get more data. The polls have her either three points up or five points up, and that's a bounce from where she was before is one or two points. Silver says, the reason to be cautious, there are reasons to be cautious. Polls conducted over a one- or two-day period, like the morning consult and echelon polls, can suffer from low response rates since the pollsters won't have time to recontact voters who they missed the first time around. That could plausibly bias the poll toward whichever candidate has the most enthusiastic supporters at the time of the poll, making it less represent representative. Another complication is that it can be hard to separate voters' reaction to the debate itself from their, their reaction to the media's reaction to the debate. And we know what the media's reaction to the debate is. Here is from Newsbusters. You remember, at, at the last minute on this thing, Hillary Clinton unleashed this clearly prepared attack about Miss Universe, Right. Let, let's play that. Let's play, let's play the cut of this is the end of the debate. Hillary Clinton obviously had this in in her back pocket and also had the press saddled up. They, she had them primed to catch up to it. So here she goes. This is a man who has called women pigs, slobs and dogs and someone who has said pregnancy is an inconvenience to employers who has said, said women don't deserve equal pay unless they do as good a job as Didn't men. And one of the worst things he said was about a woman in a beauty contest. He loves beauty contests, supporting them and hanging around them. And he called this woman Miss Piggy. Then he called her Miss Housekeeping because she was Latina. Donald, she has a name. Where did you find her? Her name Where is Alicia Machado. Where did you find her? And it? she has become a U.S. citizen, and you can bet oh, really? she's going to vote okay. this November. Okay, good. Okay, Alicia Machado, Miss Venezuela in 1995, went on to become Miss Universe in 1996. And then, by her own testimony, she said after she won, all she wanted to do was eat, eat, and eat. That is a direct quote. She gained a lot of weight. Trump complained about it, called her names. Here's from our friends at Newsbusters. Once again, ABC, CBS, and NBC have ignored a major news story that could be embarrassing to Hillary Clinton and have national implications while promoting a negative and trivial Trump story initially pushed by the Clinton campaign. 
On September 23rd, news broke that during the now infamous investigation into Clinton's emails, <coughs> the FBI granted Clinton's former chief of staff, Cheryl Mills, immunity. House Oversight Chairman Jason Chavitz called Mills's immunity beyond explanation, adding that the FBI was handing out immunity agreements like candy, yet neither ABC, CBS, nor NBC ever even mentioned this story once. This is amazing. Comey, we'll get back to this, but Comey has been on Capitol Hill getting grilled savagely by the House, by congressmen. The same networks that have failed to cover the Mills story since it broke on September 23rd, that's now six days ago, were quick to devote a full 19 minutes and 40 seconds, 20 minutes, to the controversy over Trump allegedly calling a former Miss Universe Miss Piggy and Miss Housekeeping, which I guess was supposed to be an attack on the fact that she's Latina. All right. So, so this, is, this is what Trump said at the time. This is number six. Uh, this is what Trump said about this is part of a Hillary Clinton ad. She actually put out an ad about Alicia Machado. And this is what he said about her at the time. She weighed 118 pounds or 117 pounds, and she went up to 160 or 70. So this is somebody that likes to eat. Okay. So Now, remember, this is right when Trump had taken over the contest. So he's taken over the contest. So he's got a business interest in this woman going around and being beautiful, which she was. But she got apparently overweight. So now she's he's fat shaming her. Just, I always love these these ideas that you're not supposed to slut shame or fat shame. You know, you don't the, the idea behind these these uh, accusations is absurd because the idea is that your shame comes from me, that your shame comes from my saying nasty things about it. no one should say nasty things about other people. Of course, we should all be polite to one another. But your shame is there anyway. Believe me, all of us feel shame about any number of things. It is a standing fact about the about human nature. People have been trying to explain it forever. I, some of us like to think it's because of original sin, but even the people who don't believe in original sin, like Sigmund Freud, had to come up with elaborate mythologies about why people feel guilty and shame and ashamed all the time. And the left's idea that if they can just control what they say about you, what other people say about you, that shame will go away is a lie. But here is Donald Trump, who is hilarious because he's such a slob. You know, it's hard. I mean, I really dislike feminism. They're rude, they're mean, they're one-sided, they're bullies. But what can you say? I mean, if they've got a target, they, 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 you know, he's got a target the size of a barn door. So Donald Trump goes on uh, Fox and Friends, the morning show, and he doubles down on this. They ask him about it. The very last question, which he brought up, the, uh, the person that became, a, you know, I know that person. That person was a Miss Universe person, mm-hmm. and she was the worst we ever had. The worst, the absolute worst. She was impossible. And she was a Miss Universe contestant and ultimately a winner who they had a tremendously difficult time with as Miss Universe. She was the winner and, you know, she gained a massive amount of weight and uh, it was it was a real problem. So he just he just won't stop. And, you know, the funny thing about it is it is it is slobbish and disgusting, but you can see it from like a businessman's point of view. He's got this investment in this contest. And now the beautiful girl has gone off and she's not as beautiful as she's supposed to be. So now Alicia is on TV and she is driving this home and she's doing it very, very well. Here she is with Anderson Cooper. He was really aggressive. He was really rude. He was a bad person with me. And that is the, the story that I need to share when, when for you say, my community. When you say we that can't accept, we can't accept more 
insults for my Latin community. No more. No more insults for the women. You said that he, I know he had very called well, you, Mr. Trump. You said that he had called you Ms. And I Piggy. can see the same person that I met 20 years ago. All right, so this is real. This is really well done. She's obviously been coached in what to say. It's my community. It's my community. The Spanish people, you know, the entire Spanish people are now being insulted by this whole thing. Now, there is a lot of stuff that's not being played up in American papers, but it is being played up overseas and in cheap tabloids like The Sun, uh, that she has a kind of spotty past uh, shortly after she won her crown in the late 90s. This is as being reported from uh, Fox News here, picking it up from the overseas press. A judge in Venezuela accused Machado of threatening to kill him after he indicted her then-boyfriend for attempted murder. Machado threatened to ruin my career as a judge and kill me, Judge Maximiliano Funmayar said at the time. Her boyfriend, Juan Rafael Rodriguez Rigetti, was accused of shooting and wounding his sister's husband, who he blamed for his sister's suicide. And she also, she was also in this some kind of weird Spanish TV thing where she committed sex, had sex on air, all this stuff. Of course, none of that really matters for what Trump did. It has nothing to do with it, but I'm bringing it up just so I can. So, <clears throat> so I was going back because, of course, all of us on the right look at Hillary Clinton and think this woman was the, the enemy of every woman who got molested by her husband, molested, chased, raped, with all these different accusations. And so I wanted to go back and look at this for my, myself because there are a lot of things that have now become sort of on the right. They've become words that just you, you speak about Hillary Clinton, things you say about her that may not be true. For instance, there's this one idea that she got fired from the Watergate committee when she was an aide on the Watergate investigative committee and she was fired and they said she was a bad person. It didn't happen. She was never fired off the committee. There was a guy who said bad things about her, but, you know, people can say bad things about anybody. It just didn't happen. So I wanted to go back because there's, you know, obviously there's, there's not a lot of uh, proof that Hillary was conspiring against this woman, but I did find a lot of stuff. We're going to come back to it in a minute, but first I have to say goodbye to the folks on Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to The Daily Wire, and we will continue the conversation. It's the 90s. Bill is president. There now come all these rumors. There have always been these rumors of his womanizing. And now, of course, Monica Lewinsky has become a big scandal. He's having an affair with this woman young enough to be his daughter in the Oval Office, which would get any CEO of any company in America fired. Okay, that's it's just not done. You want to go and have an affair at home? That's fine. We pay for that house. We pay for that Oval Office. When you're in that Oval Office, you are working for us. You're not banging the secretary. You know, that's like not it's not the way it's done. Everybody thought he was going to get fired, but the Clintons are nothing if not they endure. They just don't leave. And it's always the same thing. It's always those allegations are untrue. Yes, they're true, but that's an old story. That's the way it always works. It's, you know, the allegations are untrue. Well, they're kind of true. Okay, they're true, but it's an old story. Let's move on. It's again and again, they've been doing this for decades. Hillary Clinton during this time, and she knew about this stuff. Let's not, you know, be be ridiculous. She would go on TV and she would make veiled threats. She would basically say to the press, you remember during the debate, she said, I want the fact checkers to go out. You know, she gives she gives orders to the press and the press go off like dogs on a leash. You know, she would give she was giving orders to the press, telling them, look into these women. Here she is in 1998 on Good Morning America. See, I think all of these issues, they will be put into context. Uh, we just have to wait. 
I know that everybody in the press is always so impatient to try to, you know, jump to conclusions, but I don't think we can do that. I think we just have to let this process unfold. It's going to take some considerable length of time, and I think we have to look at what people are saying from all directions who are involved in this. You know, one of my husband's favorite old Southern sayings, which I keep thinking about when I look at all these things that just kind of come up and happen all the time, is that, you know, if you find a turtle on a fence post, it didn't get there by accident. And I just look at the landscape around here, and I see just lots of big old turtles sitting on lots of fence posts. And I think we need to find out how those old turtles got on those fence posts, because there's just a lot going on behind the scenes and kind of under the radar screen that I think the American public has a right to know. And I encourage every journalist, every media outlet to help us understand all these curious relationships and make sense out of them. Yeah, a lot of turtles on fence. But I love these old Southern. I also love old African expressions like it takes a village to raise a child. Somewhere in Africa, there's a guy saying, I never said that. I don't know what he's, he's talking about. You know? like, you know, I, I never heard this turtle on the fence post line. But she just said she said it out loud. I encourage journalists to go out and find out how these turtles got on this fence post. You know, I think that if Bill had kept his fence post in his pocket, none of, this, none of those turtles would have climbed on top of it. I mean, that's the thing. So I thought, like, all right, you know, to me, this is proof that she was out there, but I thought, I'm going to go to the most dishonest, most slanted, most biased, left-wing, piece of trash, throwaway newspaper and see what they said. So I went to the New York Times. And here's here's the story. Here's what they tell. And, and obviously, they have ins with all of the Clinton people. Mr. Clinton's aides, having watched Gary Hart's presidential hopes unravel over his relationship with Donna Rice in the 1988 Democratic primary race. And I, for those of you who don't remember, Gary Hart, very handsome, kind of dashing guy. He dared the press to catch him having an affair. They did. <laughs> and they just destroyed him during the 88 primary. All right. So Mr. Clinton's aides, having watched this, they were determined to quash any accusations against Mr. Clinton early and aggressively. Former campaign aides said Mrs. Clinton had supported the effort to push back against the women's stories. Much of her involvement played out behind the scenes and was driven in part by her sense that right-wing forces were using the women and salacious stories to damage her husband's political ambitions. Not that the stories were untrue. That's not what she was worried about. She was worried that the vast right-wing conspiracy was using the stories to damage him. All right. We have, this is a quote, we have to destroy her story, Mrs. Clinton said in 1991 of Connie Hamsey, one of the first women to come forward during her husband's first presidential campaign, according to George Stephanopoulos, a former Clinton administration aide who described the events in his memoir, All Too Human. Three people signed sworn affidavits saying Mrs. Hamsey's story was false, but, you know, we now know. <laughs> like, if any woman accused Bill of sleeping with her, he probably did. Okay. When Jennifer Flowers later surfaced saying that she had had a long affair with Mr. Clinton, Mrs. Clinton undertook a, quote, aggressive, explicit direction of the campaign to discredit Miss Flowers, according to an exhaustive biography of Mrs. Clinton, a woman in charge by Carl Bernstein, another left-winger. Okay, so this is stuff, this is the nicest way of putting this, right? Mrs. Clinton referred to Monica Lewinsky, the White House intern who had an affair with the 42nd president, as a, quote, narcissistic looney tune. Okay, not quite Miss Piggy, but a narcissistic looney tune is right up there. What is this called? What is this called? If that's fat shaming, 
This is like adulterous shame. What is this? Adulterous shaming, you know, a woman who slept with my husband shame. All right, a narcissistic lunatic. This is according to one of her closest confidants, Diane, Diane Blair, whose diaries were released to the University of Arkansas after her death in 2000. Miss Lewinsky later called the comment an example of Mrs. Clinton's impulse to blame the woman. Over the years, now remember, this is Donald Trump being hammered after this debate for calling this woman Miss Piggy, Miss Housekeeping. Over the years, the Clinton effort to cast doubt on the women included her using words like floozy, bimbo, and stalker, and raising questions about their motives. James Carville, a longtime strategist for Mr. Clinton, was especially cutting in attacking Miss Flowers. If you drag a $100 bill through a trailer park, you never know what you'll find, Mr. Carville said. Okay, so all, all I'm saying is these are two awful people. Trump and Hillary Clinton are two awful people. And when it comes to women, they treat them terribly. Mrs. Clinton, Hillary Clinton has been genuinely a scourge to women who were mistreated by a powerful man. You know, <clears throat> I, I'm not a feminist. I dislike the feminist. But that doesn't mean I'm in favor of mistreating women, and it doesn't mean I don't know there are powerful men who use their power to mistreat women who don't have power. I mean, that has been true since the Garden of Eden. You know, that is that is part of the me mechanism of life. The only thing that stops it is people disapproving of it, people coming out and exposing it. Hillary Clinton worked to keep it secret, worked to protect her husband, worked to destroy the women who had been damaged in the first place. So meanwhile, while this is going on, and that's what the networks are covering for 20 minutes, zero coverage for what is going on on Capitol Hill as a congressional committee is talking to FBI Director James Comey. I have to say, I gave, cut James Comey a lot of slack when he didn't indict Hillary Clinton. I said, look, you have to assume everything we've ever heard about this guy is good. You have to assume that he's just thought he didn't have it on her. Because why else would he have gone in and excoriated her the way he did? I mean, the speech that he made where he exposed lie after lie after lie and then said, oh, yeah, but we're not going to indict her, didn't help her any. I mean, that was it kind of made it worse for her in a way. If she'd been indicted, maybe that would have been even worse. And it wasn't his decision whether or not to indict. It, was, it wasn't even his decision to make a public recommendation. It wasn't his, even his job to make a public recommendation. But since then, it keeps coming out that they have either bungled this uh, investigation or it has been a complete kabuki show. It's been a complete uh, make-believe uh, exercise in theater to make us think that they're investigating these people. So now he's, Comey is up on Capitol Hill. It has come out that he has given... Clinton's aides, Cheryl Mills and Heather Samuelson, and three other uh, tech guys, I believe, immunity from prosecution. And the thing is, he did this in exchange for Cheryl Mills, who has acted as Hillary's attorney, giving them a laptop that he could have just subpoenaed. And Daryl Issa went after him big time the other day. Here it is. These individuals destroyed documents pursuant or, or took it out of federal custody pursuant to our subpoena and our discovery. As a result, they committed crimes. My question to you is, when I was a, a, a chairman and I wanted to grant immunity to somebody, I had to go notice the Department of Justice, and you were consulted. Isn't that correct? In a particular matter? In any matter. 
I don't know whether the FBI is consulted in that circumstance. Okay, for, your, for the record, yes. The Department of Justice does not grant immunity without checking with federal law enforcement to see whether it will impact any ongoing investigation. That's the reason we have a requirement to give notice. When the reverse was occurring, you were granting, handing out like candy, according to some, uh, immunity. Did you, or to your knowledge, Department of Justice, uh, confer with Chairman uh, Goodlatte, Chairman Chaffetz, Chairman Smith, or any of the other chairmen who had ongoing subpoenas and investigations? Not to my knowledge. So isn't there a double standard that when you granted immunity to these five individuals, you took them out of the reach of prosecution for crimes committed related to destruction of documents or withholding or other crimes pursuant to congressional subpoenas? I don't think anybody was given transactional immunity. Oh, really? Now, we have not allowed to make your immunities public, but I'm going to take the privilege of making one part of it public. I read them. You gave immunity from destruction to both of those attorneys, not just turning them over, the documents over, specifically destruction. So that, that means that they could basically destroy all Hillary Clinton's emails, which we know they did, and get away with it. Um, Louis Gohmert, the last honest man in Washington, and Louis Gohmert really is, I think, for that. He will say anything, and, do, and he's a genuine conservative. He, he, he just destroyed Comey. Listen to this. You got really nothing substantial. It's as if you went into the investigation determined to give immunity to people instead of getting a warrant. You gave immunity to people that you would need to make a case if a case were going to be made. And I know we have people across the aisle that are saying, well, it's only because she's a presidential candidate. It happens to be, in my case, I wouldn't care whether she was a presidential candidate or not. What is important to maintaining a civilization with justice and fairness is a little righteousness where people are treated fairly across the board. And it does not appear that in this case it comports with anything that FBI agents with centuries of experience have told me they've never seen anything like this. So finally, under friendly questioning, Comey, it looked to me like he just cracked. Listen, listen to him try, try and defend himself. I think questions are fair. I think criticism is healthy and fair. I think reasonable people can disagree about whether I should have announced it and how I should have done it. What's not fair is any implication that the Bureau acted in any way other than independently, competently, and honestly here. That's just not true. I, kn I knew this was going to be controversial. I knew there'd be all kinds of rocks thrown. But this organization and the people who did this are honest, independent people. We do not carry water for one side or the other. That's hard for people to see because so much of our country, we see things through sides. We are not on anybody's side. This was done exactly the way you would want it to do, to be done. You can call us wrong. But don't call us weasels. We are not weasels. We are honest people. And we did this in that way. Whether you disagree or agree with the result, this was done the way you would want it to be done. So that's, that's the high standard of the FBI. They're not weasels. It's like, yeah. you know, Hillary, Hillary Clinton hasn't been indicted, and they're not weasels. I mean, that's the kind of, that's the government we now have. It's like, congratulations. I mean, that's, that is pretty bad when the director of the FBI is on Capitol Hill telling them, explaining that the FBI are not weasels. Listen, I used to cover the FBI as a reporter and, you know, just talk to them. They used to be a great organization. I mean, they really were. They were the, the one law enforcement agency in the country that you could really count on for absolute competence all the time, maybe them and NYPD at their best after they got cleaned up. 
this has been, I, I just feel this is embarrassing. I mean, this is really embarrassing. I do not understand what the point of giving immunity to people is if you're not moving up the ladder to get an indictment, A, and B, why would you give immunity to somebody to get their laptop when you could just get a subpoena and grab it? You know, it, it has been, it's just been really, really embarrassing. So for the networks, 20 minutes on an ex-beauty queen with a slightly dodgy past uh, who got insulted, nothing on this, nothing on the FBI and, and how they're being hammered and how bad they look and they look. And, and nothing on Hillary Clinton's past really at all on, on the way she has treated women. She is getting an absolute free pass. The, the triumphalist feminist narrative on her just goes on apace. Look, Trump's a slob. I'm not defending him. Hillary is an absolute witch. But these are the candidates we have, and we, we really should be talking about what they're going to do when they become president. I, I think that this is just an, it's just an embarrassment. This is why these people are the candidates. They are the candidates because the people covering the candidates are lower than they are. And that's pretty low. That's like trying to walk under a snake. You know, that is really, really bad. This is our media as it is. All right. Uh, stuff I like. I love this stuff. I like to end with music. Um, this, this is a group called LEJ. It is short for Lucy, Elisa, and Juliet, sometimes called LEJ. They are three young French students and vocalists, and they took the uh, top songs from the summer of 2015 and put it into a sort of a cappella mashup. They are just as cute as they can possibly be, have lovely voices, and I love the way they do this. So we're going to end with this. The Clavenless Weekend has not yet begun because I'm going over to talk to Shapiro, and so I'll still be here, and, you know, that means that Possibly we can save some lives in Hoboken, New Jersey. After that, you guys are on your own. All right, here's LAJ. This is Andrew Claven and the Andrew Claven Show. We'll be back again next week. La 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 la. Hold on to me. La 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 la. Don't let me go. La 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 la. Who cares what they see? La 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 la. Who cares what they know? La 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 la. First name is free. La la la. Last name is dumb. La la la. Choose to believe. In where we're from Et c'est comme ça qu'on...